Welcome to MMC Radio, brought to you by Maine Medical Center, Maine's leader in patient care, education, and research, all centered around you. Here is our host, Melanie Cole. When patients have tumors removed, only about 5 or 10% of that tissue is used to help to determine details about that cancer that will lead to treatment decisions. What happens to the rest of the tissue that's taken out during that biopsy or tumor removal? My guest today is Dr. Michael Jones. He's the Chief of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at Maine Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jones. Tell us a little bit about tumor removal and what happens to that excess tissue. Uh, historically, excess tissue has been disposed of uh, as medi- biomedical waste. In the past, any tissue that was left over after appropriate material was taken for diagnostic studies was just disposed of as medical waste. So then what happens now? What's the difference with what you so, know happens now, and why would patients even want this procedure? So now uh, we live in an era of genomics and proteomics and a, a high level of technology that allows us to take leftover tissue and understand what's going on in the cancer from a molecular standpoint, a genetic standpoint. In the past, we weren't able to do that. So now that we have uh, advanced technology that can, in a way, dissect out the genome and dissect out the proteins that are involved in a cancer, and because we also now have drugs to fight the cancer that are directed specifically at some of those genetic and protein events, uh, we we have dis- we found out that that tissue that we used to discard is actually very valuable for uh, molecular research, and so nowadays. In many academic institutions, including Maine Medical Center, we have a program in which patients can consent to donate, if you will, that leftover cancer tissue that used to be disposed of to research. And that research can be quite varied, of course, but uh, that is the uh, that research is critical in advancing, uh, you know, the fight against cancer in the sense that it helps us understand much better what exactly is going on in those cancer cells. So, Dr. Jones, how do you go about asking a patient if they want to donate that extra, you know, if you're going to be taking out a tumor from them, and are they worried about privacy and that now their cancerous tumor is sitting in some refrigerator somewhere with their name on it? How does that work? So we approach all of the patients uh, preoperatively. Uh, we approach them either at the pre-admission unit when they're getting their work done before they come in for their surgery date, or we uh, know that a patient is coming in from farther away and we send them information on our tissue banking program. We follow up with a phone call, and then when they come in the day of the surgery, we get consent from them. And as far as the rules and regulations go, the uh, federal government and IRBs in general have gotten much more sophisticated and developed a lot more rules uh, to deal with things such as privacy um, than there used to be in the old days. By old days, I mean in the 50s and 60s and 70s when a lot of this wasn't going on. So the patients are all... um, 
the information about the patient, uh, their pathology report is de-identified, stripped of any um, data that might uh, allow identification of the patient, and so and given a research code, so that when that piece of tissue goes to the researcher, the researcher really has no way of knowing who that came from or where it came from, for that matter. So after you've collected these tissue samples, what is the storing process and the associated data with it? Are there, you know, methodological, methodological, I'm going to have to re-say that word, ethical, legal, and technical problems with storage? How do you store this tissue for use by any of the researchers involved? So that's a good question, and there are three main ways in which we store the tissue. So the tissue may, may be used fresh. By that I mean it's not placed in any kind of preservative or, or um, fixative, we would say, in the pathology laboratory because sometimes we want to look at issues or molecular items in a particular cell that we don't want to preserve it with any fixative. So there's fresh tissue sometimes. And then there's tissue that we flash freeze, so we freeze it very quickly. And that allows preservation of many molecules that we might want to understand or then the researcher might want to understand later on. And then finally, the third way is that we place the tissue in a preservative and we create what's called a block of tissue, which is a little wax block with tissue in it. So very commonly for cancers, we have the tissue preserved in multiple forms, and each different form might be for a different type of research or allow you know, the investigation of different types of molecules depending upon what the investigator is interested in. For instance, DNA is a very hardy molecule and uh, will withstand all kinds of preservatives and still uh, yield lots of important information. RNA, which is the expression of the DNA, is much more labile. And so, so it just depends on, um, it depends on what the particular researcher or investigator is, is interested in looking at. Does the patient benefit at all from, you know, the research done on their tissue? The patient doesn't benefit individually. Uh, 99.9% of discovery or scientific discovery, of course, is based on lots and lots of data and lots and lots of samples. So it's, it's a general scientific truth that any one sample is not so unique that one can discover a new drug based, for instance, on one particular sample. It takes thousands of samples and repeated experiments, of course, to uh, validate uh, discovery and science. So that's an important thing for people to understand. Although the individual tumor contribution is important, it's almost ne- it's almost always the case that the discovery off of any one sample is not enough. It's usually a huge pool of samples. And so, for instance, we may have to look at three or four hundred colon cancers to, to understand whether what we're seeing is actually real. So, um, in general, what the patients get is, in essence, that they're contributing to, really contributing in an important way to the advancement of science in the fight against cancer. Because nowadays, uh, the, the real holy grail, if you will, of cancer treatment is to develop 
uh, therapies that are specifically directed at these genetic events that are going on in these cells that in years past we had no way to understand, but we do now. So, but there's no individual benefit per se. Do you need to collect any general, broad health information from their health records, such as ethnicity or whether they were a smoker, for these tissue samples to be donated? No, no, we don't have to do that. Um, if 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 the if the patient was being approached for a particular study in which uh, that information was needed, they would know that up front. So, uh, typically, all we really all that is really known about the uh, tumor to the researcher is actually the patho- pathologic features of the tumor. Nothing about the patient per se. So, in every tumor sample. When we look at it pathologically, we're grading it, we're doing a lot of things, but those don't relate to the individual patient per se. If, if, a, if, a, if a particular researcher wanted to look at, for instance, outcome and how a patient did, then the patient would have to give permission, of course, for their course to be followed, and that would be in a, a different type of study than just generic tissue banking. Is there any cost to tissue banking? Yes, there is. There, there's the cost of the technologists, and there are certain consumable supplies, of course, that are not real expensive. The big cost is really the labor involved. We have tech, research technologists who are uh, handling the tissue, who are freezing the samples, who are doing all of the work, and, and uh, that's the that's the major cost really is just the labor and then there there's a little bit of capital cost freezers to freeze the tissue etc um so um typically the cost is covered out of uh investigators research grants so many uh many researchers who are proposing a particular study that requires a certain say 200 colon cancer samples when they write that grant, they're writing in into the grant the cost of acquiring that tissue from somebody like us. So that's generally where the money comes from to defray the cost of the collection of the tissue. But no cost to the patient donating the tissue? No, 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 not at all. No, there's no cost. And again, the, the tissue, in the past, the tissue would just be thrown out. So there's no real... I suppose if the patient wanted their tissue back, we would give it back to them, but that's exceedingly rare that anybody wants that. Dr. Jones, in just the last minute, if you would, give patients listening your best advice about considering donating that extra tissue from a tumor and why they should do that at Maine Medical Center. I think that it's it's nowadays at the advancement of uh, research, particularly as it relates to developing new uh, drugs to fight cancer, it really truly depends on the tissue being donated. If if investigators didn't have access to the tr- the real cancer samples, it would just bring uh, cancer research or the probably the single biggest area of cancer research to a halt. So since it's no um, It's no big deal for the patients. I mean, I think a lot of patients don't even think about what happens to their tumor after it's removed. Nowadays, uh, scientific discovery really depends on access to those samples. And so I would... 
strongly encourage every anybody who's approached to allow us to preserve their cancer samples in a way that researchers both at Maine Medical Center and other academic institutions can use it for discovery. Thank you so much. That's really great information. You're listening to MMC Radio. And for more information, you can go to mainmedicalcenter.org. That's mainmedicalcenter.org, mmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. 